You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at MyBookie. The bowl matchups are now set. The lines are out, so there's no better time than now to jump in on all the action at MyBookie. Just go to MyBookie.ag, use our promo code UGA, and you'll get a 50% bonus on your first deposit for all new users. So make sure to get your bets in before college football is gone for about nine months but yeah as you guys know I am your host Tyler and back with me once again today is my co-host Curtis and today guys I have no other way to describe this episode than as an effort in masochism that is what we have for you today I'm gonna be real honest with you guys we love you we love you guys to death we appreciate you so very much but we always try to be honest with you And honestly, I would rather be doing just about anything on planet Earth right now than what we are sitting here about to do. Like most of you out there, I'd venture to say all of you out there, I'm hurting right now. Curse is hurting right now. Not in the best place. I'll get past it. I'll get through it. I've been there before. I'll move on eventually. But I'm not there yet. All of this is still very, very raw right now and just about the last thing I want to do right now is relive this and talk about it but we're here for you guys we've got a job to do we don't want to leave you hanging never gonna leave you guys hanging so here we are and we're gonna make this happen one way or another we're gonna get through this I cannot promise you that I'm gonna stay on topic I cannot promise you that I'm not gonna go off on a random rant here or there I'm not gonna promise you that I'm not gonna sound more than a bit unhinged at times All of that is probably going to happen on today's show. Just a fair warning. But we know you guys want this episode. We know you probably need it at this point. So uh, yeah, we're going to make it happen. So I guess let's go ahead and get into this. And Curtis, I really don't know where to start, man. I usually have very detailed notes and a rundown and agenda of things for us to talk about. I don't have that today, guys, because, well... I just didn't have it in me to sit down and do it. So we're just going to kind of aimlessly go through this today. But Curtis, I guess the best place to start would be a simple question. Why did we lose this game? I think there were a multitude of reasons. 
you know, you have coaching, execution by the players, and then, unfortunately, you have to use the excuse. It's not the excuse, but everyone will say it was. The officiating did have an impact on the game as well. So I think all three avenues and then, you know, especially execution, the turnover parts, we lost in all three, all three of those phases. And I think that's ultimately why we lost. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't say it better myself. That's exactly right. It wasn't one thing. It was, as you said, a multitude of things. And it wasn't it wasn't that here's what kills me the most, Curtis. It wasn't that we got whipped, you know. This was this was us, and that's what I said coming into this game was we are the better football team, which I adamantly still believe. But if we did not play up to our standard, if we did not play our A game, the margins were small enough. Bama was good enough to win the football game, and I personally, Curtis, feel that's exactly how it played out. What about you? I mean, was this a game where you think that we were still the better team and we just didn't play like we're capable of? Yeah, I do. I mean, especially when you felt like um, Alabama really dominated the game, yet the stats tell a completely different story. And so I think that's how you can really tell. I mean, some people say, well, that means that Georgia played their best to keep it like that. I really see it the other way that Georgia. Oh, no, 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 no. Fumbling like that, missing field goals, blowing coverages. That's not what Georgia football is about. It's not what Georgia football does. We haven't done that in a long time. Because I would argue this is one of the poorest games we've played in three years. And that's, I guess that's a silver lining in this game, if, if, if there is any such thing as a silver lining in a moment like this, where we're at the point now where Bama has to essentially rely on us to play poorly, right? To play play below our standard. Because if we play to our standard, Curtis, if we play the way we did against Ole Miss, we win that game by two touchdowns. But see, I think that's the biggest issue, though, is that, we you know, was the first time in three years we played a game like that, but yet it always happens to be against the same team in the same yeah, why is it? Yeah, let's talk about that for a second, Curtis. Why Alabama? Is is this a mental block kind of situation, or is it just one of these random coincidences of life? I think mental block, yes, and also, you know, any Nick Saban coach team, you're going to have to play, at worst, a B game to beat them. You're not going to beat them unless you're playing at one of your best because he's just that good of a coach. You know, in almost every game they play – Sands made the South Florida game. They have a very high floor. Exactly. So you can't go in there and play like a C-level game and think you're going to win, which I feel like we did. Curse I me, mean, I know that's like very arbitrary. What did we play? I mean, but to me, that wasn't even a B-level game. I feel like that was a C-level game from Georgia. I and, agree. I think that's why, you know, especially with Alabama, you see it being the biggest issue. I mean, think back to LSU last year. We did not play our best game in that SEC championship game. I mean, they burned our defense, and yet – we won. Since we scored 50. No one, so everyone's like, oh, they put up 30. Who cares? We scored 50. And it's exactly. Like, oh. And that's and that's the fact that you can't do something like that in, against a Nick Saban coach team. And that's because you're not going to score. Why? You're just not. Yeah. 100 percent, man. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's everything you said is right. It, it was a, a variety of, of issues that all cropped up at the same time. And we played a, a good football team who I don't know if they played their best game, but they played better than we did last night. Uh, that's that's just clear to me. Obviously, that that's the case. But again, it's it's how exactly exactly how I felt coming to this game. I I still stand by everything I said coming to the game. I'm still confident we are the better team. If we play Bama ten times, I think we win six or seven of those games. If it's a seven game series like you have in the NBA, I think we win the series. But unfortunately, in college football, that's not how these things work. You got to show up. You got to play in these moments, and we typically do. But uh, we did not in this game, Curtis, and it, it got us. Like, at the end of the day, we're going to talk about officiating. We're not going to bury our head, heads in the sand and say that didn't matter because it did. All right, I don't care what anyone says. It absolutely mattered. You can call it excuse-making if you want. It's reality. It, it's part of what – it's part of the story of that game. But it wasn't the only part of the game. We fumbled. We missed a field goal. 
we missed opportunities for big plays. We didn't capitalize. We got in the red zone every time, especially after Aaron Smith's big catch. Man, we needed to punch it in there, and we didn't. You know, and so I would say Bama played a cleaner game, and they made they made the plays in the bigger moments more consistently than we did in this game. And that's what it came down to. They made the big plays when they needed to more than we did, and they didn't make the crucial mistakes, and we did. And that's why I said we played a C game. Bama played well enough to win. Um, and it's it's tough. It's a tough little swallow, man, because, again, when you're the better team like that and you lose a game and it costs you a shot at a national championship, that's that's tough to swallow, man. That That's a tough one. Man, yeah, it's almost like I wish if you're going to lose, I would rather be like where we definitively got beat and, you know, there's no question that Bama was clearly the better football team. And you, you saw some some reasons why, OK, yeah, this Georgia team probably is not going to be able not capable of winning national title. We're not one of the four best teams. But when you lose a close heartbreaker like that, the way that one went down and you still feel like you're one of the four best teams in the country, but you're not going to get a shot to play for the national championship and prove it. That's a tough to swallow. And there's nothing we can do about it. You know, that's 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 the uh, toughest part about being a fan is you just got to sit back and you just watch it, man. And you just got to live with it. It is what it is. But let's let's go through this. Kurt. So you mentioned a couple of things, uh, quite a few things uh, in terms of reasons why you thought we lost this football game. So let's take them one by one and let's roll through. You mentioned coaching as one of those reasons. And I know there's an outcry right now. There was during the game. There has been after the game still going on right now against Mike Bobo and the offensive game plan in that game. So I'm just going to put it to you. What did you make of Mike Bobo's performance calling that game and the overall offensive game plan on Saturday night against Alabama? Um, I think he got outcoached. As simple as that. You know, he came down, you know, the offense with precision. You know, yes, the players were executing well, and there was times where he called plays and probably weren't executed. But it just – it felt like we were never able to get into a rhythm offensively, and it just felt like – you just questioned a lot of the play calling, um, you know, kept trying from your, to from your vantage point. Let's just try to like put on our Mike Bobo hat here. Pretend we're all Bobo here. Let's channel our inner Mike Bobo. What, what is, what was going through his head in your mind? Like what was, what went into the game plan that we threw out there on the field on Saturday? Well, it, it seemed like a lot of it, we we're trying to out physical them to establish the run, especially late in the game. And that just never happened. Yeah. And that's my issue is that, the game plan that we had coming into the game, or what it seemed like we had coming to the game, clearly was not going to work. We knew that fairly early-ish. Now, you don't want to completely – Well, especially when Amar- Amarius went down. You well, yeah, and let's, let's talk about that. So here's what – I'm not going to kill Mike Bobo as much as some people are. Now, here's what I will say. I don't think this was a vintage Mike Bobo game. I don't think he called a particularly good game. I think he stuck with the game plan far too long. As a coach, you stick with the game plan – long enough like you can't just abandon it immediately and that game was close enough where we didn't have to abandon it but at some point you have to realize this is not working and we did but it was too late at that point and that that would be my criticism of him in the game and in, in terms of how he called that game well and, and he, i think also to the um i didn't think he did a good job of getting playmakers the ball in space he did the first drive but after that it really just we were not getting play, the ball to people in space and that was and i know against bam yeah. it's hard to find space but you got to get your guys in setting settings. I mean, yeah, um, Dylan Bell had that fumble or Carson Beck did the bad handoff exchange. Oh, we just why were, but, why are we tossing it? Just hand it, hand it. But my thing hand is, the, it. Dylan Bell the last couple weeks has been balling out, and we did not target him nearly enough. When we I, did, they were they had basically put a bit and brittle in him and ride him like he was a freaking horse. Yeah, so and okay. I just I felt like we did not do a good job of getting our people open. I think this is the first time you've really seen it. 
It's a good uh, defensive backfield though, Curtis. Those, well, it is, those but those corners it, but are good. It, it feels I agree, but I feel like this is the first time where I personally have truly missed Todd Munkin because I think this is where he thrives. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Munkin had his games though too, Curtis. I mean, there no, he had games. his games, but I think in the fact of trying to get people open and get them to in space, I feel like he does. He did a better job with individual matchups. Yeah, I'm not going to argue that point, but I would also say in this game. Lad went. Lad was going to say, yeah, I mean, Lad, exactly. And I think Brock that was wasn't close up. to healthy. Brock was, I mean, guys, <laughs> just trust me on this. Brock, yeah. Brock is a warrior, man. The fact that man was out there, uh, guy, he's a legend. Obviously, he was already a legend. Just, just, mm-hmm. he's, he's a freaking monster, man. Love the guy. Yeah. Appreciate the guy. Him and Lad both, man. They talk about unselfish players. Talk about culture they going were. out there. And, I mean, like, there are plenty of guys on plenty of teams that would not gone there, gone out there and played. Both no, those guys did. No, no, Ra Ra Thomas. Yes, Dylan Bell. Has coming on has been coming on of late, and we try to give the ball at times. Um, I, I agree with you, not enough. Uh, you know, it's, love it's it. kind of the same thing we see on defense at times, where these people show out, and then you're like, wait, why did they only get that few snaps for targets? Oh, you mean like Jalen Walker getting 12 snaps? Yeah, and two we had sacks almost a 30 percent win well. rate in two sacks yeah. and 12 snaps. Like, I think yeah, what, six we'll, or seven we'll, four we'll, bad pressures and that's 12 definitely going to be in, in my coaching section. I've got some questions. Yeah, uh, you mean like the guy who ostensibly is inside linebacker? We we've been training him as inside linebacker, but he never actually is allowed to play inside linebackers. You want him on the field? That guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah that guy. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I have more of an issue with that honestly than anything my Bobo did. I mean, no, I mean, Bobo's not the sole reason. He's a Bobo's game record, not the man. sole reason we lost. I think the the offense also didn't execute as well. But there was just, you know, I know it's been a staple of the offense. You know, some of these um, short side of the field toss sweeps. I've never been a fan of. Never. God, yeah, I. And I especially know, against the, a team into like the, Alabama. into the boundary. Yeah, into yeah, the boundary. into the boundary because this is a team like Al- Alabama's team, like Georgia. Yeah. Like we have, they have lots of speed on defense. You're not going to win it to the boundary. Here's the issue I have a lot with Mike Bobo in this game, Curtis. Again, I I don't I'm not gonna kill him as much as some people are. Like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not some of these people that are just straight. He needs to be fired. I just think that this was the first time all year I felt like he got out coached. Well, Curtis, you know, there's a, a fairly sizable segment of the Georgia fan base who are convinced Mike Bobo is terrible, and no matter what he does, they're gonna be they, sitting yeah, there they, they've been, they're they're lying in wait. They've been waiting. It's like it's just like the Stetson haters, right? Just lying yeah. in wait for the first time he does anything that's less than stellar. We're gonna pounce and we're gonna kill yeah. the guy. It's exactly that, what it that's is. what's happening. But no, you know, I will say it wasn't perfect. I feel like in a lot of ways we didn't do a lot of the things that got us this point. And that's what that's what I found so hard to understand is we've done some of these things all year and they have been so successful first all year. Then it's like all of a sudden we you know, we that first drive was it we were attacking and then it felt like the rest of the game we were on us on our heels. Well well let's let's talk about that, Curtis. I think a big part of that to me, and this is complete speculation on my part, but this is me just putting my thoughts in this. That's what this podcast is for, I guess. How much of that was Amarius Mims going out after 11 snaps, Curtis? Um, I think it played a role, but I don't think – Think about this. With that lethal pass rush they have, you're putting Xavier Truss at right tackle against Braswell and Dallas Turner. Okay, They had, what, 36 sacks coming into this game? Yeah. So when you are when you don't have your first round right tackle there to go up against those guys, you don't trust. I mean, why would you trust Xavier? I mean, God bless the guy. He's playing out of position at right tackle against those guys. He can't handle speed rushers, and that's especially what Dallas Turner is. So well, I think good. a big part of what happens because you're right. That first drive was light years different than what we saw for the next two and a half quarters, right? So in my opinion, 
And again, this is me putting some thoughts out there, throwing this out there. I think there's a strong possibility that the losing Mims caused Mike Bobo to run the ball more maybe than we intended to coming into this game because we were trying to protect Xavier Trust and trying to keep the pass rush from Alabama from destroying what we were trying to do. I, I don't know. I, I get, I, I get process, that. I get that's, that. That's something mindset. to think about. My resistance to that is the fact that, well, what we tried to do in, in the end didn't work. So why didn't we try that? What our original game plan to give it a shot to make it work? Because I do think we stuck with that too long. So my, yeah, and we, I was saying this during the game. We need to throw the ball issue. more on first and second down, especially yeah, on first was, down. That was my issue is I get what you're saying. And I think that's completely right. And you should do that. But they then stuck with it for way too long, and that was my issue. Then you were down 17-7, and you are putting all this pressure on your defense because you took – I mean, I understand wanting to protect trust, but we – once again, like what, what happens – or has happened throughout this year, we stopped playing in an attack mode, it felt like. We talked all year. Carson does not get into rhythm when we play like that. Right. Yeah, I think we need to let Carson Beck rip rip the ball in this game. I know – look, and I, I understand what he's he, – here's what Mike Bobo's thinking, in my opinion. Your starting right tackle goes down. You're now – at a disadvantage against the Alabama pass rush, you want to keep them honest by trying to run the football and staying out of third and long. I think that was the goal. Stay out of third and long so they can't pin their ears back and just rush the quarterback because we're going to have a tough time handling them when they're able to do that. But the problem was, as you mentioned, we were not having any success running the football on first and second down. So we were con consistently in third and long anyway. So if we're going to be in third and long anyway, let's at least let Carson try to rip it on first and second down and be aggressive, push the ball down the field, and see what happens. When we actually did that in the second half, you got the bomb to Arian, right? We hit that play. We could, we had opportunities to hit those plays on first and second down. We started to do it late, but it was at that point too late in the game. And that, and that's that my is my issue. Is he waited yeah. too long to do it. To I agree, and that's where a lot of my frustration is rooted because I get all the uh, trying to protect him, but at that point it had gone on too long. Yeah, I mean, I like I, I see what he's doing. I mean. You try to stay out there and long. You also have a a, a completely hampered Brock Bowers and Lam McConkey guys on essentially one leg. You got two legs between them, and so you're like, okay, we're going to see if we can run the football, stay out there and long, stay, keep their pass rush from from completely wrecking this game. And I get it, but it clearly like after a quarter and a half or so, you see it's not working. You got to go away from it, man. You got to go away from it. And we just we took too long because we started having success in the fourth quarter throwing the football. Took too long, man. Way too long. So that would be my criticism, Mike Bobo. I I don't think the overall game plan is unforgivable. I get it. I get it. It but it wasn't working. At some point, you got to adjust and you got to adjust quicker than what we did, in my opinion. And you have Carson Beck, who we've just been throwing flowers upon all year long as one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I still believe he is. And I just don't think we put the ball in his hands enough when the game was still in doubt. Or, you know, like when before Bama was able to pull pull away and get a 10-point lead. And I think Carson, that first drive, he was dealing. In the fourth quarter, he was dealing. He could have dealt in the second and third quarters too, Curtis. Yeah, but, that, 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 that's that's really my issue. It wasn't the original game plan. It's just how how long we stayed in the shell post-injury. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. All right, guys, we've obviously got a lot more to talk about, a lot more aspects of this game to cover. But before we go any further, I do want to quickly once again remind you about our great friends at MyBookie. The bowl games are set. We might not be thrilled with our bowl game, but 
We are playing Florida State in the Orange Bowl, and there are a ton of other games for you guys to watch, to take in, to bet on before college football is gone for nine long months. So if you haven't already, now is literally the time. There's no other time than now to jump in on all the action at MyBookie. Just go to MyBookie.ag, use our promo code UGA to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. I hit big this weekend with a couple preseason bets on Washington to win the Pac-12 and made the college football playoff. And I did it with my bookie. My bookie's got a ton of great options for you guys. You can do those win total bets in the preseason. Right now, you can do live bets. You can do parlays. Got a cash out early option. So many options for you guys to jump in on the action and make some cash today. So do yourself a solid and make it happen. And bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, but let's go uh, to the defensive side of the ball here, Curtis. Offense, you know, we've 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 established it wasn't spectacular. I think that's safe to say. But defensively, what did you make of that performance? I questioned the defensive game plan a lot too because especially on third down or in passing situations, I know we were trying to mix up our dis- and disguise our, you know, packages and things like that, but that's my biggest issue. You know, the very first drive you have Jalen Walker I think Gabe Harris, I can't remember who all was out there, but we had a very explosive package in there to go rush the passer. But I just felt like we did not put the best pass rushers out there or just the best speed on the field. Um, like we were talking about with Jalen Walker, I just really question the game plan and the substitution decisions. I thought largely the defense played well against Alabama. I know, like, I kept getting a lot of people texting me during the game or DM me during the game. So, man, they're just running the ball down our throats. They're whipping us. And I, and and I, I, everyone is entitled to their opinion. I value everyone's opinion. I really do. I just, I didn't see it that way. Yes, I was frustrated when they were able to run the ball in the first half a little bit better than I would like them to. But at the end of the day, Curtis, our running backs actually averaged more yards per rush than their running backs. Our guys averaged, you know, you take our top two running backs, they averaged 3.5 yards per rush. You take Bama's top two running backs, they averaged 3.3 yards per rush. Now, the difference being, obviously, Jalen Milrow, he's not included in that. He's, uh, his legs make a difference. So I mean, they put up 306 total yards. I just I don't understand the concept of Georgia got whipped when they ran for 306 yards and 2.8 yards per rush. I know you got some sack yardage in there as well, but again, their running backs averaged 3.3 yards per rush. In no way, shape, or form did they just straight up whip us. Now, did they get some movement at times? Yes, at times, of course. Yeah, I mean, not Stackhouse Curtis. I mean, he got flat out pancaked one time. I mean, at least yeah, one time, it was like straight, bad. like driven back five yeah. yards and pancaked. So I'm not saying that didn't happen occasionally. It did, but it wasn't like this, this situation where they were just consistently ramming the ball down our throat and we couldn't do anything to stop them. They made big plays and big moments. Scars, we have them third and 22. You can't give an 18 yard pass. You can't, yep. you can't, you cannot do that. You cannot. That was not my Bobo guys. You cannot do that. That cannot happen. It can't. It just simply cannot. I mean, as, I mean yeah, we're going to get to the, the officiating here. Yeah, the officiating on the very next play, <laughs> unforgivable. But it shouldn't have gotten to that point. You know, third and 22, you should not be giving up 18-yard passes on those plays. And 
you mentioned the game plan, Kirsch, defensively. I also have an issue with the defensive game plan. I don't think I've heard enough about this. It's all, it's all Mike Bobo because there's a lot of Mike Bobo haters out there and just ready to pounce. I love Glenn Schumann. I love Kirby Smart. I love our defensive staff. They do an incredible job. But that doesn't mean they're infallible. I think in this game, in the first half, we were far too conservative in how we defended Jalen Milrow. I think that we were far too hesitant to come after him. Am I seeing things, Curtis, or do you feel the same way? No, I feel the same way because in the second half – We lit him up in the second half and what happened? Exactly. The defense did what the offense didn't do in the second half. They attacked. It's been an issue all year, Curtis. Again, I love our defensive staff, but we've – I mean this is nothing new. We come up with these game plans – and a lot of times, you know, all these teams score in the first drive. They're not working. And we adjust in the second half, right? We adjust on the fly in the first half sometimes. Sometimes it's the second half. And then it's all gravy. But in a game like this against a team like Alabama, you cannot wait to halftime to adjust. And we came out in the second half, and we were bringing the pressure, man. We were lighting that guy up, and we had great success doing so until the very end of the game when they were just trying to run the football. But in the first half, we just let him sit back. The man, look, and I, I will stand by. Jalen Miller has gotten better, certainly gotten better as a passer, but he's still not an elite guy in terms of processing. But when you sit, when you allow the man, anyone, if you allowed me, Curtis, to sit back there for five, six, seven seconds unmolested with no one in my face because we're scared to death of creating pass rush lanes for you, which I get, I get, because the guys are running lanes. I get the guy is dining with his legs. But when you just let him sit back there. All day long, he's going to find somebody open, Curtis. You can only cover guys for so long, and that's exactly what happened in the first half. When they convert all those third downs or a couple of those third downs, I mean, we actually held them to thir- three of 13 on third downs. So, I mean, the again, the idea they just, like, were moving the ball at will, I think that's that's crazy. I think it's just people getting caught up in the moment. Look, I know we're emotional, and caught up in the moment like that, it feels like they're just running the ball down our throats and just dominating us, but that's not actually what happened. You go back and watch it. But I think in the first half, we were just far too conservative. We were scared of what he would do taking off of his legs. And look, I talked about in the uh, preview show last week. Yeah, that's a concern. You've got to account for that. But you also can't just sit back there and let him just sit there and molest in the pocket. You can't. I mean, I mean you have it's to the find same, a way yeah, honestly, to come after him and keep your structural integrity. Honestly, it's the same dumb game plan, more or less, that we played against him originally with Bryce Young. 100%. Yeah. And what did we do in the last championship game? Oh, yeah, we came after him. Yeah, oh, that worked out. The oh, same yeah, that game good. plan. It's like we didn't learn our lesson, truly. Mm. Yeah, man, and that's it's it's tough, man. It's that's like, what I, makes it I, hard to I swallow. Defend cause... a guy like that, it's tough. Yeah. When they're a dual threat, a true dual threat guy like that. It, but you got you've got to try to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. You've got to try. And we did in the second half, and we had a lot of success. That's how we made we mounted this comeback, right? But. We just waited too long. Just like offensively, we waited too long to make the adjustments. I think defensively, you can say the same things. We waited too long to make those adjustments. How about those freshmen inside linebackers, Curtis? How did you, how, what did you make of their performance in this game? Hot and cold. I mean, some real times where they just, I mean, you think back to the almost touchdown of Isaiah Bond. Um, C.J. Allen's on him and just leaves him. Um, yep. I, I get what he was afraid of, but, it, I, I mean, they had some good plays, and they had a lot, quite a few bad plays, especially in um, – you know, Bama did a good job of attacking them. And the Jan Miller wheel route touchdown out of the backfield. Yeah. Got Raylan Wilson. And I, he saw the guy. He 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 saw him, but he was yeah. he was a step too late. He got caught up in traffic. Now I would argue potentially it's offensive pass interference because it is the job. I know it's, you can say it's a pick play. It is the he ran right the the tight end. I forget the guy who exactly it was, but the tight end ran into Raylan Wilson. It is the job 
of in the responsibility of the offensive player to avoid contact, and he did not do that. You could have thrown the flag. They're never going to throw the flag on that play, though. It's just not going to happen, especially against Alabama. Not going to happen. But regardless, he got picked off there, and touchdown. How much did not have him pop in this game, Herker? So in a game like this, it's a team like this that wants to run the football the way that they do. It hurt. Um, you know, that's still not his strong suit, but I think, you know, smile. I think playing a game like this, it would have been closer to his strong suit because they wanted to run, they were trying to run the ball right at us. So that's I feel like running that's running wise, we missed him. I think they would have still for attacked sure. him in the pass game, but on the early downs, which is what for the most any more they did the freshmen who don't know what's going on out there half the time. Yeah. And know. then I mean, don't even get me started. We'll talk about the players next. But. Yeah. But I do. I, I look the the freshmen side linebackers. They're freshmen. They're really talented guys. They're going to be awesome players for us. But in a game like this against a team like this. At times they were liabilities in this game, Curtis. It's just reality. I mean, Xavier Sori came off the like, like out of the out of nowhere, man. Like off the bench, like in the dugout, man. Like, I don't know where this guy came from. Hadn't played in two months, and he's out there playing meaningful minutes. I thought he actually played pretty well, to be honest with you. I just that was crazy to me to see him out there like that, just throwing him out there. Uh, we try to get more speed on the field in our dime packages, which I like. Getting Dan Jackson on the field there, which I hadn't seen that in a long time. So two guys hadn't played much football at all for us in a couple months. Going out there, meaningful situation. I thought they actually both played pretty well. But I'm going to go back to the defensive line. You mentioned Nazir Stackhouse, Curtis. I think this has been an issue for us all year long. We survived it throughout the season because we were just that much better than everyone else we played. But Bama, again, you play a team like that, the margins are reduced. The mar- margins are smaller. And the fact remains, Curtis, it was amplified in this game more than it has been at any point this season. The, I think the biggest difference this season in this team, and probably, maybe the biggest reason why we are not playing the college playoff, is our defensive line is just not what it has been the past two years. What do you make of that? I agree, and I think you know this probably may go up to coaching, and I don't think it's as big as what I'm going to make it to be. But I got to say, it is very frustrating to see people, especially like Jordan Hall, not develop into even a contributor late in the season. You know, you think back. I know they're freshmen, but you think back to Jordan Davis. I know he's probably an anomaly, but you think back to just how big it was, and yeah, we got blown out, but how much he changed the game when he was able to come in and make an impact as a freshman, and I think. That thing that was extremely frustrating is that we didn't get much from the young guys. It's a tough spot to make an impact as a freshman because you're going against grown men. But I, I get your point. I mean, Jordan Hall's a big-time recruit. He's a big guy, and he's played a lot early in the season. We were dealing with some injuries, and he kind of faded. Didn't play much as the season progressed. Played a little bit more you know, for a couple of weeks there late in the season when Warren Brinson was dealing with an injury. But he was never the factor that we kind of needed him to grow into. You know, He never became that. Look, we were not bad on defensive line. We just – we weren't at the level that we have been the past couple of years. And that's a problem because as we've said many times on this show over the past couple of years, the I believe the single greatest reason why we made this run to back-to-back national titles was the strength of our defensive line. What that allowed us to do defensively, I think it's the key to everything, Curtis. I think it was the key to everything. What it allowed us to do was be able to defend the run consistently, dominate the run with the even numbers in the box and be able to – maintain the integrity structurally in the back end and limit explosive plays in the pass game. We had a harder time doing that this year, Curtis, because we simply weren't as dominant on the defensive line. There was no Jalen Carter type guy. There was obviously no Jordan Davis type guy, no Devontae Wyatt type guy. That person wasn't there. And also on the edges, Curtis, I mean, we've been obviously been killing the edges quite a bit this year. You got Chaz Chambliss, who God bless him, gives you everything he's got, man. I appreciate him. I love him for it, but he's got physical deficiencies. Marvin Jones Jr., young guy, still growing, going to be a good player. 
Yeah, can't even. He hasn't man. been able to lift weights in a year and a half. He I missed mean, the entire offseason. You've seen a lot of injury. people, a lot of people hammering him about stopping the run. He was playing right. It was just he just was yeah. there physically. I think that was. He's not there physically was, right now. Yeah. That was the encouraging thing for him, though. Is like you know, for the last couple of weeks and at, at times this year, it's like the guys were just not even making the right plays. So for him, I'll give him credit. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I think he's going to be good. He's just you're right. I mean, guys, he missed really almost. I mean, what would we say, Curtis? 10 months or so well and they're saying that he really couldn't lift as a freshman because he this because he was dealing with the labrum the labrum has been torn since before fresh before he enrolled yeah yeah i mean he's a great athlete he's gonna be a good player he just wasn't physically ready yeah right now this year but he had to be thrust into duty because that's that's all we got right now because the other the freshman we know once again once again we're we're still reaping the you know the dan Dan letting that position get to that point yeah yeah, but when you have when you don't have the interior guys and you don't have a Nolan Smith guy who I know he was never became the pass rush guy we wanted in in college, but he was a dominant edge run defender. When you lose all of those guys and you're not close to as good as you were against the run, as we weren't guys, it really wasn't even remotely close this year. We were not nearly. As it was good about as the run. I think I think I saw the stat about fifty more yards a a game. So this season, I'm, I'm, it was, we were over 135 yards a game. Uh, or, oh, no, I'm going to take that back. 117. We had 117 per game this year, Curtis. Last year, we gave up 77. So we gave, we're getting 40 more yards a game is significant. Okay. We gave up 2.88 yards per rush last year. We gave up 3.86 yards per rush this year. Guys, a full yard per rush more in one season, that's a dramatic fall off. I mean, a dramatic fall off. We gave up 78 yards rushing and 2.56 yards per carry in 2021. That was the key to the run, guys. I'm telling you, that was the key. We're, we still have so much talent everywhere else on the roster. Offense was really good this year. Offense was was what led us this year. We have talent everywhere else on, on the defense. So we're still really good, and we're able to beat all these other teams. When you play teams like Alabama that have got a big, strong offensive line and can run the football and want to run the football at you, when it gets late in the game and you, you pull it within three and you need a stop, you can't get it because what they did, Curtis, is they decided we're going to use our, our quarterback, and they're, they're going to have the numbers advantage. In the past, it didn't matter if they had a numbers advantage because we had so many guys up front that would win one-on-one or would eat up multiple blockers. And so, yeah, they might technically – it might ostensibly be a numbers advantage for them because they have the running back now turns into a blocker, but we negate that. We mitigate it by having defense defensive linemen who eat up multiple blocks or just win one-on-one in wit blocks. We didn't really have either this year, Curtis. So late in the game, when we needed a stop, we get a stop, get the ball back, I think we win the game. But we did not have guys that could eat up multiple blocks, and we didn't have guys that were going to consistently win one-on-one against an offensive line of that caliber. And when they turned the quarterback to be the runner, giving them the numbers advantage, running back now turns into a blocker, we couldn't stop them. It's that simple. That's what happened on that last drive. That's If you're wondering, like, oh, man, why couldn't we stop them? That's why. We were not as good on the defensive line. It didn't kill us all year. We saw signs against Auburn, saw signs of against Tech. All that was a lot of that was more misdirection, but we still weren't as dominant. We know that. I mean, you saw against Missouri, and it just reared its ugly head in that final drive when they went with the quarterback run game, and we just couldn't beat blocks, and we didn't have the guys that could eat up blocks, and that's what killed us. And Curtis, honestly, I know everyone right now is trying to look ahead to the future, say, "Oh, well, next year we're gonna be back." What does the defensive line look like next year, Curtis? I mean, losing I mean, Brinson and Stackhouse, I mean, hopefully Hall and um, Jarrett can make an impact, but we've got to – Jamal Jarrett, the guy who played basically zero snaps this year? I know. <laughs> Maybe. I know. That's. I mean, we need Jordan Hall to become a monster next year, which I think he's capable of. Yeah. 
I like Christian Miller, although Christian Miller playing the zero tech nose guard is laughable to me. That's not he's not a fit for our defense. We've talked about this many times. He's a one tech guy. That position that position traditionally in our defense is a two tech, or is a, is not. I'm sorry, a, a not sure one tech. He's a one gap guy, and that position is a two gap position for us traditionally, and we don't really seem to have much willingness to alter that. If we don't hit big in the portal at that position, Curtis, I don't know how much better we're gonna be on the defensive line next year. To be honest with you, I really yeah. don't. I mean, we're gonna Jordan have to Hall, Christian Miller, and who? Yeah, we're gonna have to hit the portal. I mean, and hit the portal like we're talking like big time difference making, immediate impact type guys on the defensive line. If we don't get those guys, I don't know if we're gonna win the national title next year, Curtis. I don't know. Yeah. If we're gonna be, I mean, I know it's a twelve team playoff, but with our schedule, if we don't find a way to get more difference makers on the defensive line next year, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we're gonna even be in the twelve team playoff. That's a problem, and it was a problem, a big time problem in this game against Alabama. So yeah, I. Game plan wise, execution wise, personnel wise, we just we just weren't as good on defense this year, Curtis. Is what it comes down to our offense took steps. Our offense was about on par with what it was last year. Our defense took a step back, and we were not the same team. Now I was hopeful that we'd still find a way to win the national title because I felt like there wasn't a dominant team. I still don't feel like there is a dominant team. I thought most of those teams that were there last year kind of got a little bit of a step back as well, but it wasn't meant to be. It just didn't happen. It didn't happen like that. Okay, guys, we've got one more break we need to take real quick. We still have plenty of more to get to. We haven't even touched on the playoff committee's decision to leave Georgia out. We will get to that and much more in just a moment. But real quick, I do want to remind you guys about our great friends at Alumni Hall. Guys, the holidays are here. We are in December. Christmas is just a couple weeks away. If you haven't already... Make sure to do all the shopping for all the Georgia fans in your life at Alumni Hall. They have the best selection, the best prices, the best customer service. You are sure to put a smile on everyone's face when you get them a little something from Alumni Hall. They've got great men's selection, women's selection, kids' selection, stocking stuffers galore. So stop in today inside the Etchbridge Shopping Center here in the Classic City or online at alumnihall.com if you are not in the Athens area. Same great stuff, same great selection because Alumni Hall is where... The Bulldogs shop. All right, Curtis, you mentioned some coaching decisions. I know you talked a little bit earlier about, you know, Glenn Schumann, our defensive staff, and some of the personnel decisions. We talked about the offensive staff there. I want to talk about Kirby Smart here for a minute or two, Curtis. Kirby is the GOAT, man. Love him. I mean, it's very difficult for me to sit here and criticize Kirby Smart at all because this guy's won back-to-back national titles and delivered everything that we never wanted, made all of our wildest dreams come true. But I'm looking at right before the half, Curtis. We get the ball back, what, like 48 seconds left? Yeah. What did you make of the decision to just basically sit on the ball there? Not a huge fan. I mean, if you have a – you know, I know Carson's still in his first year starting, but – I think you he's gotten us here. You gotta at least trust him to if it's not there, throw it away, but and not try to force it. But I think you've gotta try to at least make something happen. I love Kirby. I do, man. And he's the greatest thing that ever happened, probably, to the University of Georgia football program. So I, I, I say this with all the love in the world. I th- I think that was an egregiously poor decision. I mean, Curtis, we got forty two seconds. I know we're down. Some some studs. I mean they're playing, but they're not at full strength. But you got Carson Beck, who's been a, a monster for you all year. You still have some good players at the skill positions. You have 48 seconds. You got a t- you got time. You got timeout, and you just really you're just gonna sit on the ball. We're not even a, a try to go down there and get any points. I think that's an egregiously poor decision. I'm not gonna say we would have gotten any points there, but I, I'll say this: at that point, Kirby Smart makes a lot of 
he makes a big to do about hunting, right? That we're, we we go out and hunt. We're not going to be hunted. Kirby Smart, Curtis played it safe there. He played it safe. He didn't go hunt he, in that moment. Yeah, he didn't he go did. hunt. He played it safe, and I know he he's got to make those decisions. And I and I I understand. Hey, if we turn the ball over there, you know, we're down ten, and maybe we're down, you know, three scores going in the half. Okay, fine, whatever. Alabama didn't play it safe, Curtis. They played to win. They how many? They went for it on fourth, fourth and four, Curtis. And it, you know what? It they paid went, off. And they threw all of it. They went a deep ball in third and twenty-two. I mean, trying to yeah, trying exactly. Third, yeah, third and twenty-two. Throw a deep ball instead of just sitting there and trying to run the football and, and just trying not make a mistake. They played to win. I think in that moment, I'm not saying Kirby. Obviously, Kirby wanted to win. I don't think we were aggressive aggressive enough in this game. There were a couple other fourth down calls. And you know, we uh, was it was it the first drive in the in the first uh, to open the second half, Curtis, where it was a third and two, and we ran that little toss into the boundary. Yeah. And we got stuff there. Yeah. I might have gone for it there. I honestly, Curtis, I mean, I feel like Bama, I'm not saying they wanted it more. Our guys wanted it. I feel like their coaching staff played to win more than our coaching staff did in this game. And I think Kirby is right there with that. I think he played to win. And I think in that moment, Kirby played it safe and went into a shell and went conservative. And I don't think, I think we should have been more aggressive there. And again, I'll say that, I'll, I'll use the word again. I think it was an egregiously poor decision. Maybe we don't score, Curtis, but you know what? Maybe we do get in, in position for a field goal there. But, you know, it's just one of those things you can look back and you can second guess it, but it's not going to change anything. But I do. I, I think if you if Kirby had a chance to go back and do that over again, I think he'd probably be more aggressive there. But way. And also, I mean, I'll say Kirby also not calling a timeout on that one pass that, you know, it, you yep. ended up not, you ended up playing it conservative when we got the ball back anyway. So w- w- you didn't need that timeout. Oh, yeah, I, I know. I I know, Curtis. Yeah, that one at that. Mm. I mean, yes, it's that on the cool. officiating, but it's also on Kirby to force their hand. Because what do you think about they, at that point they had gotten the first down? Yeah. God, I know, I know. You're right. You're absolutely right. That's a good call there. And then what well, was about six minutes left when they get down? It looks, like, it looks like they score. They review it and they say they're like inches short, right? Yeah. I'm almost sitting there like, just let them score. We, the time is more valuable. They're going to score regardless, right? We know how what our red zone defense has been like. We know we don't have the hosses up front to really stop them from that point. Let them score. The time is more valuable than the points. You know what I mean right there? Yeah. I, but, I, I mean, I know a coach is not going to do that. You can't look your team in the eye and say just let them score. But strategically, I think that might have been the right choice there. But that's just never going to happen. Never going to say that. All right, Curtis, we have uh, – I don't know if we buried the lead. I don't know if this is the lead because we did pl- plenty of things to hurt ourselves. Again, Bama made more plays in the bigger moments than we did, and they made fewer mistakes. So tip of the cap, they won the football game. But I think you would be burying your head deep into the sand if you pretend like the officiating did not have a significant effect on the outcome of this game. So what did you make of the officiating overall, particularly, obviously, the fourth and fourth call where they did not even bother to review the play? Uh, it was a joke. I mean, you know, they don't review that at all. And they had an- enough time where, you know, you saw how fast they could do it on that catch by Arian, which was a clear catch. They buzzed that sucker right away. So the show wasn't was even the- close. Arians it, wasn't even remotely close. It wasn't even remotely close. And that's what's so frustrating. They, they showed later when it didn't even matter on a not on a on a very clear catch. They showed the ability to buzz. You got Gene Steratore sitting there after halftime saying, "Oh yeah, bad call." I mean, you got you got their CBS's officiating guy saying, "Yeah." I mean, that that was egregious. I mean, it's also. Oh, it was agree. It was absolutely. You know what, Curtis? Nothing's gonna happen to those guys. No, I mean it's par for the course of the SEC. Isn't it kind of ironic how the only time we've beaten them under Kirby is when uh, we didn't have an SEC officiating crew? 
Maybe I think that is very. Thing. I think that is very interesting. Funny how that works, huh? Yeah. To me, it is more of an unconscious bias. It is because I mean, think of all all the you know in that first half the play that Kool Aid gets knocked out on, or maybe in the third quarter, I can't remember when he gets knocked out. Dallas Turner clearly grabs the running back's face mask right yep. in front of refs. Not a call. I mean, there's so many times and, and where the, like Walker and people are getting held by the tackles, and not a call. And they on no calls. I mean, because they were riding our receivers like horses. Yeah. I mean, they saddle up, baby. That's what they were doing. And the 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 pass interference they called on Malachi Starks in the that first half. That was a half, joke. That was an absolute joke. He what what is he supposed to do? He turns around, plays the ball, makes a play on the ball. What are you supposed to just turn around and say, all right, please catch the ball? Is that what we're doing yeah. on defense now? And then to see how they played our receivers the rest of the game and not, I mean, un. Believable. And look, I know people are going to sit there and say, oh, you're just making excuses. Whatever. Uh, yeah, that's, you that's, well, that's we why have I, to call it what it is. Yeah, that's why I said it. I we didn't lose just because of the officiating. Now, it made it a foul. No, no, no. Because we, that was, at a minimum, in my opinion, a 10-point swing on that fourth and four call. But it was the at fact least a seven-point swing, potentially a 10-point swing, because we yeah. had the ball probably go get in field goal range. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I'm not going to say that they're the reason we lost, but they did play an impact. And you're an idiot in the just delusional if you try to say that you have an agenda have an you can impact. say i have an agenda saying that we that the fishing had an impact you have an you're just as much agenda driven if you say that it didn't come on yeah as simple come as on. that because we're not saying that they they're the reason we lost but they had an impact on it. it's as simple as that look we played poorly okay again we played yeah. about as poorly as i've seen us play in a long time that's on us okay yeah that the yeah, officials think- didn't fumble the officials didn't miss field goals we did those things but despite all those things that we did poorly we still should have won the football game if it was not for seven points that were gifted to Alabama erroneously. Seven points they should not have had. Seven points they did not earn. Okay? That's what happened, guys. All right? That's like we messed up. Sure. But you know what? They got seven points they did not earn. Without those seven points, they don't win the football game. Period. Period. I mean, and it's just – give us the first time it happened against Alabama. It still sucks. I still would have a tough time swallowing it. But when it's happened this consistently against the same team, and not just us, really everyone who plays them, but especially us and in the biggest games too, Curtis. That's, what it's, that's, that's when it comes out, right? Because Bama fans will say, oh, we got all these penalties called against us when we're playing like New Mexico State. It's like, dude, nobody cares. What happens in the biggest moments, right? The yep. unconscious bias comes out, or it's either that or just sheer incompetence on the part of SEC officials that some way, somehow, coincidentally, always seems to come out in the favor of Alabama. I don't know how you explain that. Maybe it's just one of the greatest coincidences in world history. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. But it's far too consistent just to be like, oh, it's just one of those things that just happens. No. No. It's crazy. But, you know. It's nothing you can do about it because they will never do anything to the SEC officials. And the, and the reason they never will, guys, here's why. Because nobody wants that job. Because it's it's a thankless job. I will say that, right? It's a very thankless job. They have a hard time finding officials. And so that's why there's no accountability because they can't really fire them. Because you fire them, who's going to do the job? You know? That's why some of these – you notice around the country, there's some of these leagues around the country these days, they've gone to hiring female officials. There's nothing wrong with hiring female officials, but that's never been done in the past. Why they had to do that? Because there's not enough of a pool of ma- traditional male officials to do it. Nobody wants to do the job, you know? So that's why there's no accountability. I don't know the answer to it, but there is no accountability, and it continues to happen. And it's just, um, man, yeah, again, like you said, it's last time I'll say it, but we played poorly. Hear me when I say that. I understand that we – did plenty of things to lose that game. But despite all those things, we still should have won it. And we would have won it if it wasn't for just egregiously bad, unforgivable officiating. And that's all there is to it on that.
That's all there is to it. All right, Curtis, last thing here before we get out of here, man. I thought about doing a whole other episode separate just for this, but I, I don't know. We're here. Why not talk about it right now? So obviously at this point, we all know the University of Georgia got left out of the college playoff despite being number one. We're the very first – coming into the week, we're the first team in college playoff history that went into championship week ranked number one to be left out. A lot of precedents being broken, Curtis, right? Two, there's never been a team lower than number six get into the college playoff heading into championship week before this before this year, Curtis, and two teams did that, and there's never been a team number one going to championship week to drop out, and that happened. So three precedents, I guess two precedents broken twice in one case. What did you make of the committee's decision to leave Georgia out? I have a, a lot of feelings on it. First, I want to start by I don't believe Bama belonged in. Um, okay, explain that. I th- Honestly, I mean, you know, I get the whole FSU is down to their second string quarterback, but th- they, they chose to be selective when they used it. They didn't use it against Ohio State in the past. They didn't, there's plenty of teams that they didn't use it against, but then they decided to use it this year. The the committee well, – Even this year, Curse, they were inconsistent in their application. It was selective application. Well, exactly. Then it's like – then out of nowhere that we've never seen a criteria of who did someone want to play and who they didn't want to play. They make up, it, of course, they make up whatever they want to make up to justify what they want to do. Exactly, and that's my biggest issue. So first, like I, I'm Bama shouldn't have been in, and because I don't think Greg, I think Greg Sankey this time deserved for the SEC to be left out because of the fact that you put those poor officiating and do nothing to improve the game. The SEC has one of the worst officiating pools in the league, and I so I think that the SEC deserved to be left out because you 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 allowed the, the lower ranked team to get all the calls, not all the calls, but enough to have an impact on the game. So yeah, you deserve to be left out. Number two, I'm going to go with this. I'm also glad FSU got left out because the ACC and the Big Ten are the ones that screwed us ultimately in the end because this should have been a 12-team playoff this yeah, year. Everyone has sympathy for FSU. I have sympathy for the kids, I guess. I, don't I have sympathy, sympathy for, the for the kids, but I have, I have They no are the sympathy. reason – their AD and the presidents are the reason why there's not a 12-team playoff this year. They're the reason why we're not in the playoff. Exactly. So I have no sympathy for the leagues. I have sympathy for the kids, but I have no sympathy for the league. Agreed. Who would your four be? I mean, it's hard to argue against what the four were, but the fact is that Texas is one well, loss to it. a lower a lower ranked Oklahoma team, mm-hmm. and Bam, uh, Georgia's only loss is to a higher ranked. Yeah, I keep hearing people say losses matter. Um, so uh, wait, you're, you're telling me our loss is the only one that matters? You're telling me yeah. Texas's loss to OU doesn't matter? Because that's interesting, huh? Re- you tell me that it doesn't matter when you lose, right? Well, clearly it does. Uh, it, it, it's just it boils my skin man here people say losses have to matter okay fine well then everyone's losses have to matter okay it's that simple yeah. you can say well texas had the best win oh okay sure that they, they, they beat alabama at alabama great win i cannot take that away from them we had more good wins than texas did and we dominated our schedule far more than texas did go back and look at texas schedule curse and go look at those games how close some of those games were to vastly inferior opponents and i know that we played I know that we played uh, Auburn close, right? And we shouldn't have. But you go look at Texas, Curtis. They had a three-point overtime win at home against Kansas State. They beat Houston by seven points. They beat TCU, who's not going to a bowl, Curtis, by three points. They beat Iowa State by ten points, Curtis. We dominate our schedule far more than Texas did. And they also lost a game. I just, I'm just i at a loss for understanding why Texas's loss doesn't matter, but ours is supposed to, right? I have a hard time with that. And I know they won their conference championship. Cool. You know, it'd been really fun if we got to play Oklahoma State too. You know, of course, if we got to play Oklahoma State or Louisville or Iowa, you know what we'd be where we would be right now? We'd be in the college football playoff. Yeah. But 
we play in the SEC, so we have to actually play real teams in our conference title game while everyone else has to play a little well, nobody. Well, it's, also, it's, it's, it's also this, too. And now at where I'm at the point of screw the conference championship. It's hurt Georgia more I, than I've been there. hurts us more than it works. It, it's it's a money grab, dude. It it does not need to exist anymore. And people want to say, oh, well, you know what? You lost a de facto play, playoff game. Well, no one else has a de facto playoff game. Why did we have to have a de facto playoff game? While yep. Michigan used to play freaking Iowa, who can't score. While Florida gets to play Louisville, and I mean Central Florida State. While Texas gets to play freaking Oklahoma State, who lost by 30 to South Alabama, Curtis. Why do we have to be the one that plays in a de facto playoff game? I'm fine with that line of thinking if everyone has to do that and play that caliber of team. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like when people say, oh, well, the losses have to matter. Games have to matter. Results have to matter. That's fine if we live in an equitable world where the games are equitable, the schedules are equitable, the opponents are equitable. That's not the world we live in. That's not the world we live in. And so this narrow-minded thinking drives me insane. Well, it's just like, I mean, it's just like, it's like this FSU, I get, they get left out. You only move them to five, Georgia to six, but yet Georgia is a 12 point favorite. Yeah. I find that insane. So yeah. Okay. So because, because in that, and I say that because they, well, not even that curse, they jump. So Bama, they jump Bama over Florida State because I think Bama's better than Florida State without Jordan Travis, but Georgia's not better than Florida State without Jordan Travis, the team that was number one and lost to them by three points. That's my whole what? point is they, they use the logic that they chose Bama because that they didn't want to play Bama. They want to play Florida State. Well, then how is Georgia at least not five? Not that it truly matters in the end, but okay. you've got to question that logic. Well, here's here's what has to happen. So, again, it's selective application of their criteria, and that is my issue. If you're consistent, I might not agree with it, but I can live with it. When you selectively apply the application inconsistently – I cannot live with that. I have a problem with that because either you go with most deserving or you go with best, okay? If you go with most deserving, then Florida State has to be in, and Alabama cannot be in, right? Well, they went with best, or at least that's their argument, right? They said, we're going to go with the four best teams. We think Alabama is better than Florida State without Jordan Travis. Okay, well, if you're going with best, then you have to you have to apply that to all four spots in the playoff. Are you well, telling me you think Washington is better than Georgia? Is that what you're telling me, committee? Is that what well, you're it's, all, it's also the fact of that you're seeing how far these teams jump, both Bama and Texas. Texas beat a like 18th ranked Oklahoma State, and they moved up three. A four loss. Or they moved State up four. Did they go 30 they, they at home seven, to yeah. South Alabama. And they went from seven to three while beating yeah. a number 18 ranked team. Curtis, we fell five spots by losing to Alabama, who's now number four. We, left, we fell five spots from number one while Louisville, Iowa, and Oklahoma State, who got – Iowa got lost by 26. Oklahoma State lost by, what, 20-whatever. Louisville, Iowa, Oklahoma State fell a combined four spots, Curtis. We fell five spots because we lost by three in the in a conference championship game to the number four team. We fell, we left, we fell five spots. It is yeah. nonsensical. It's nonsensical. So, again, yeah, if you, you want to say best because we think Alabama is better than Florida State, I agree with that. I don't think Florida State should have been in. I think that sucks. I I, I hate it for their players. But I've always – I've said this. I've been consistent saying this. I've always been best teams guy, and I know that's subjective. But when you have an imperfect world and you have this unequitable world or inequitable world that we have in college football, it's by nature, unless you have like a full-on like 64-team playoff, like a tournament, then it's – you're going to have to have some some subjectivity in it unless you go back to the computers like you did in the BCS era, which honestly, Curtis, I'd be okay to go back to the computers. I want the human element out of it. I'm tired of the human element. They're biased. They're inconsistent. I want the humans gone. 
bring back the freaking computers. I want the 12 team playoff, but I want computers to decide it. That's what I want because it's because at least we know what the criteria is that way, and it would be consistently applied because that's my issue. They don't consistently apply. If you're going to go with Vest and say Bama is better than te- than the Florida State, fine. But again, you're telling me that you truly believe that Washington is better than Georgia. You're telling me that you truly believe that Texas is better than Georgia. I know you're lying because if you did, you wouldn't have had Georgia number one this week coming into championship week. You had Georgia two spots ahead of of Washington. You had Georgia six spots ahead of Texas because we lost by three to Alabama means that now you're convinced that we're not as good as Washington, Texas. That's crazy. That is nonsensical. It's ludicrous. It makes no sense. There's no making sense of that. So what they did is they went with most deserving for three spots, and then they went for best for one spot with with Alabama over Florida State. That's exactly what they did. And that is why I'm pissed off. It's just the, the inconsistencies, man. It's the human element, dude. It's just got to go. Go back to the freaking computers. Bring them all, man. A last thing on this, Curtis. I know I'm just talking in circles here at this point, but I also want to um, make sure we say this. The SEC can kiss my – it's a family show, but you guys know what I mean, right? Yeah. Then forcing us to cancel that game with Oklahoma – cost us a playoff spot if we play that game we go to norman we win the football game and now the committee cannot use the transitive property of equality against us which is what they did curse what the reason texas got in is they said oh well we have to have alabama in over georgia because they beat them head to head but then we have to have texas in over georgia because they beat alabama head to head in tuscaloosa so transitive property of equality says that we have to have texas in over georgia that's what they did but if we would have gotten to play oklahoma on the road and beating them like we would have because we are a much better team than Oklahoma is, they would not have been able to apply that logic, and we would have been in over Texas. At least we should have been. So SEC, Greg Sankey, screw you. You're never welcome back in this in this state as far as I'm concerned. When we win our next national championship, I do not want you coming here to our parade. I do not want you in Sanford Stadium. I never want to see you step foot on our campus ever again because as far as I'm concerned, yeah, you can say a lot, a lot of other reasons why we got screwed, but you guys absolutely screwed us too. You screwed us. And I know you're going to say, oh, well, Oklahoma's coming next year. I don't care. I don't care. You screwed our schedule. You screwed our chance to get in the college football playoff. And I will never forgive you for that. So, yeah, I know. I know I'm sounding unhinged at this point, but that is where I am with it. And I mean that. I truly mean that. They absolutely screwed one of their own members, one of the members of their own conference. Greg Sankey screwed us. So, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's all. We, that's honestly why I didn't want Bama to get in either. I just wanted the SEC to actually be to miss out. Yeah, I I would have been. I mean, yes, in my heart. I mean, because at this point, I don't care either way who was in. As long as soon as Georgia's out, I I mean, as soon as we lost, I knew we were out. I'm gonna be honest. We all knew that. But the fact oh, yeah. is, I, I at this point, I had zero interest in watching it anyway. So I wish they would have just left the SEC out. I could barely watch the Florida State game. I I, I watched. I, I didn't. I didn't. I turned the TV. I watched off. bits and pieces I, of it, and I was I, like, just, I, I, Curtis, I put on. I got a lot of college basketball games. I have on DVR that I haven't watched yet. I was like, I'm watching college basketball. Oh, I'm, I have college basketball I, season for me. I refuse to watch ESPN or any channel that will show replays of that game. Oh yeah. Well, as of right now, no, I can change my mind. But where I am right now, I'm not watching the playoff games. Where I am right now, I just don't know if I can bring myself to do it. I really don't. So yeah. I'd probably change my mind, but right now there's no way I could sit there and watch it. 
no way. I can't even think about it hardly at this point. It just makes me sick to my stomach. But, yeah, I know you can go back and say, well, you had a chance. You could have beaten Alabama. Yeah, we could have, right? But, again, not every team had to play Alabama in their conference title game. So, it's just tough to swallow, man. It's it's one of these things. Like, we have this, you know, everyone wants to build up the, the, the greatest regular season in sports. And it is. You know, you can argue that. But we have the worst postseason of all sports, and it's not even close. It's so anticlimactic. It's just an absolute freaking joke. And the 12-team playoff would be better, in my opinion. I know people won't disagree with me on that. That's fine. I'm excited for it. I think it'll make more games matter later in the season. And I think that it'll give us more important, stake-filled games in the postseason. But still not a perfect solution. I don't know. I'm just very frustrated right now, Curtis, with how we lost that game and why we lost the game and then how the college playoff committee went about doing their business. Because if you have, Curtis, you know – Here's one more thing, and then we'll get out of here, I guess. I have a really hard time when you see the executive director of the playoff committee sit there on Tuesday night adamantly, emphatically saying that it's the four best teams and most deserving is, he said, quote, not in the committee's lexicon. And to see them then turn around four days later and say, ah, just kidding, y'all. It's tough, man. It's tough. Because, again, you're telling me that Washington – I know Washington's undefeated. And, you, and they're deserving, yes, but they are one of the most deserving teams, which you said is not part of your lexicon. That doesn't play a part in the process. You truly believe, committee, that Washington is better than Georgia? And this is coming from a guy who had a lot of money on Washington to make the postseason. I put a bet on them back in freaking June to make the playoffs, and I cashed in on that. I'd give every freaking cent of that back and a hell of a lot more for us to get it over Washington. Because I believe that we should have, if it's best, as the committee said, as the executive director said, if it's best, it's a freaking joke for someone to tell me that a Washington team, team that got outgained by Stanford, that beat Arizona State 15-7 to without scoring an offensive touchdown, that should have got beaten in every possible way except on the scoreboard against Oregon State, won that game by two, should have lost to Washington State last week, had been getting by the skin of their teeth for about six weeks, is better than Georgia because, what, they beat Oregon twice? Why is Oregon even good? Because they beat a bunch of nobody Pac-12 teams? It's just – it's laughable, man. It's crazy. And I would even say Texas too. I think Texas is better than Washington. But why is Texas better than Georgia? We dominate our schedule far more than Texas dominated its schedule. But because they beat Alabama on the road, well, you know what? We beat Ole Miss. We beat Missouri, two essential top 10 teams there, top 11 teams. Beat Tennessee 38-10 on the road. That's a top 20 team. I, I don't know, man. I know. It doesn't matter. Whatever I say, it doesn't matter. I'm just – I guess I'm venting at this point. But all right, Curtis, I guess that's it. I guess that's all I got. You got anything else you want to say before we get out of here? No, let's just say buckle up because probably this next week or two is going to be a bumpy ride because the portal departures will start before the portal additions. Yeah, guys, yeah, that's a good point, Curtis. Just put this out there, guys. Um, there are going to be some names at the portal, and you're going to be freaking out. Just understand that, but also remember – the portal taketh, the portal also giveth. We are going to be big-time players in the portal, and I think that we'll be very happy with how that ultimately plays out. But just say, man, it's the new age of college football. You just got to roll with it. Just understand there are going to be some names in the portal, and you're like, oh, my God, what's happening? You're going to want to freak out. I know. I'm probably going to be there with you, but the portal will be good to us as well. We're going to be okay. Just got to find some freaking defensive linemen. That's what we got to do, Curtis, more than anything. Yeah. But uh, all right, guys. Well, that's all we've got for today. I will be back to record the mailbag episode tomorrow. I've already got, obviously, a lot of questions that have been sent in. But if you have more questions, feel free to send those to us at 
gloryugapodcast at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Twitter. It's at glory underscore UJ. Instagram as well. Just look for glory UJ podcast. We welcome any and all questions and I will do my very best to answer all those questions and make it through another episode, having to relive this. I made it through this one. I can make it through another one. So send those questions in, keep them coming, and we'll uh, we'll definitely have some fun with that tomorrow. But all right, guys, we really appreciate you. Thank you for being here all season. We're going to have you covered through the entire month of December, and you guys know the offseason. There is no offseason here on the Glory UJ podcast. We will have you covered every single week of the offseason leading up to the 2024 football season. It's been a hell of a ride. We knew it had to end at some point, this winning streak. It just sucks that it actually did have to end and end this way. But we'll be back. We're not going anywhere. This program is on a solid ground as there could possibly be. And we'll we'll be back winning more national championships sooner rather than later. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, win or lose, go dogs. <laughs>